Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Whoa, 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 okay, calm down, breathe. I'm trying. I said breathe. I'm trying. Wait a second. Are you listening to music? What? Shut that off. I'm not, I'm not listening to music. Fine, just go crazy for a little while. Michael Preston. I'm just... I'm just... I don't even know how to describe it. I, I, I literally do not know how to describe it. How many times on this podcast have we talked about this? How many times in writing have we talked about this? How many times on Twitter, Facebook, Coog Center... Shouted it out to your neighbor across the street. Shouted it from a moving car on the freeway. How many times have we said that Larry Scott needs to be out on his rear end and not running this conference anymore? And tonight, we get to tell you that as of the end of June, that will be happening. It's been a busy friggin' day, like all over the place. And we're going to end January 20th, Inauguration Day, a celebration of American government and all that other stuff, by celebrating somebody getting fired. Oh my goodness. I am so tickled to be bringing you this emergency kook scenario. We haven't done a show in months because, you know, I've been raising an infant uh, but she's asleep, and Brian Floyd is also going to join us to talk about this because this is an incredibly momentous occasion that the Pac-12 has finally gotten it together. The Pac-12 CEOs have decided that Larry Scott's tenure needs to end. Now, look, it's not going to be done until June 30th, okay, because you're not just going to dump him right now while you go looking for someone, and the conference has said that they are now looking for somebody as of right they're going to start looking immediately um and we'll get into that and why it's very advantageous for wazoo actually here uh in a minute but i i just <laughs> i'm having such a hard time wrapping my head around how big this is around how big this is sports business daily broke the news the conference released something a short time later um, saying they mutually agreed they will not seek a new contract. The decision was made well in advance of next year's contract expiration. Uh, so Larry's contract expired next June uh, 2022. Uh, to And the, the conference is saying in part to allow a new commissioner to be in place to negotiate and maximize the conference's next important long-term media rights agreement. And we, we've talked about that so many times because Larry's contract actually expired before... Uh, the TV deal expires, which is in uh, three years, if I'm remembering correctly. Now, you're not going to take that all the way to the end and, you know, only negotiate in two and a half years. So negotiations are going to start 
in relatively short order, which is kind of why if this was going to happen, it had to happen before he entered the final year of that deal because, you know, at least in that sense, the commissioner is kind of like a coach. You don't let a coach coach on the final year of their deal. You you either fire them or you extend them. There is there's no in-between on that. So the conference either needed to extend him, which would have been the poor decision, or do what they're doing now, which is let him go at the end of June, have someone still steering the ship, as crappy a driver as they are, uh, through the end of June to at least get you there. I don't know that they will have someone hired by then. This might take a while. Um, but at the very least, there is an awful lot of light at the end of the tunnel here. There is... there. For the first time in a while, I feel hopeful about the position of the Pac-12 Conference because, I mean, God, there are just so many things surrounding Larry Scott's incompetence that we can't talk about and we will talk about. But that how diminished Pac-12 football has gotten under his leadership. Now, you can say that, you know, Larry Scott doesn't recruit players, he doesn't hire coaches, he doesn't do this, that, and the other thing, and... You would be correct about that. He doesn't He doesn't really do that. But it's still on him to maximize TV exposure. It's on him to pump up the conference. It's on him to, you know, basically try to build the brand as much as possible. And it just never seemed like he was interested in doing that ever. It only ever seemed like he was interested in maximizing what is good for Larry Scott at this particular moment. And what was good for Larry Scott was being paid over $4 million a year, which is, by the way, by by far the most of any conference commissioner in college athletics. It's more than uh, Greg Sankey makes at the SEC. It's more than, I think it's, it was Kevin Warren now at the Big Ten, more than he makes with the Big Ten. It's more than any other commissioner makes. And, and it's not close. I, I think last I checked, it's like at least three quarters of a million more annually. You've got a conference in debt up to their eyeballs just on renting the headquarters space in San Francisco. You have a conference renting the penthouse suite at the Aria as a hospitality suite for their commissioner. You have a conference playing most of their football games after half the country has gone to bed. You have a conference whose Basketball teams have not made an impact in the NCAA tournament in years. Oregon had a nice run last year, or the, the last time there was an NCAA tournament, not last year. But you have a guy who was just not interested in anything except for what was going to be good for him. What makes Larry Scott look good? You have a guy whose leadership in officiating interfered directly with the decision to not review a targeting penalty in a football game. That had they won it, could have sent Washington State to the conference championship game. You have a guy who has done absolutely nothing for the past five to six years other than embarrass the ever-loving hell out of 
every fan of a team in this conference, out of every person who is employed in an athletic department, and I might be overstepping a bit there, but it's just a guy who had done absolutely nothing except for make this conference look like an absolute joke nationally. An absolute joke. This is a decision that had to get made. It had to get made. Because you cannot allow this man to negotiate your next media rights deal. You're already so far behind the SEC and the Big Ten. 20 to $30 million per year per school behind. And look, you're, you're not going to catch up. I know that you're not going to do that. The SEC and the Big Ten are brands. They are huge, powerful brands. Right, The SEC, I mean, their football is the best in the country, and the Big Ten is probably the best, I guess you would say, all-around conference in terms of the TV sports in the country. Right, So you're, you're not going to catch up to them. But you cannot be so, so, so far behind. And if you are going into those negotiations with Larry Scott, you are putting yourself so far behind the eight ball, you're outside the pool hall. You could not in good conscience do it. And the Pac-12 Executive Committee realized that and knew that somebody else had to be in charge of going and getting this new deal with for the Pac-12. I don't know who it's going to be with. We'd seen it floated by Mark Shukin, who's high up with the Pac-12 Network. I can't remember his exact job title with the Pac-12 Network. But that the next deal may not be with an ESPN or a Fox. It might be with one of the FANG group of Facebook, Apple, Netflix, or Google, something like that. And I've written about how, on the face of it, that seems bad, but it actually makes a little bit of sense. But more likely than not, it is still going to be with the ESPNs and the Foxes of the world, and you're going to need them to pony up the dough at a time, and especially now, during a pandemic, when ESPN has been making across-the-board cuts. It's part of the reason why they lost one of their most valuable radio properties recently. So you have a company in ESPN that's been doing that. I'm not sure about Fox, but I'm sure that they have not been uh, doing well in terms of having to furlough employees. So it, it is a tenuous position to be in to be negotiating from. Because you just don't know, and you know they those companies don't know what the world is going to look like. They know that viewership is down across all sports. It has been that has been the case since the start of the pandemic is that people are just not tuning into sports and we don't really know why, but it just people aren't doing it right now. So you need to put yourself in as strong a position as possible. I don't know, you know, this is not like a football coach or an athletic director or anything else like that. I don't really have an idea of who they should be going to get, right? We had an idea when Mike Leach quit. We had ideas kind of when Bill Moose bolted for Nebraska. We had inklings when Ernie Kent got canned. 
we don't really know here because it's very wide ranging in terms of expertise who you'd be looking for here. You're obviously wanting to be looking for somebody who has experience with media right deals. You want to be looking for someone who has experience leading people, right? Unlike Larry, who did not have experience with that. Worked with what the WTA. He wasn't even in charge of the WTA, if I remember right. Like, I, that's, 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 I it just, it's, like, I don't want to talk out my rear end here and, and say something that's not true, but it just, like, what? Oh, he was the CEO. Of the, oh, the Women's Tennis Association. I thought that was, like, the World Tennis Association. Okay, sorry. So he was the CEO of the Women's Tennis Association. Okay, that's a fairly sizable organization, but we're not talking, like, money-wise, like the Pac-12, okay? So you need to find somebody who has experience in that and again i don't really know where you go for that the important thing here is though and like i mentioned earlier why this is good for wazoo is that the pac-12 executive committee is going to look for larry's replacement and that includes michael shill who is the president of the university of oregon anna marie chaucey i can't remember how to say her last name she's the president of the university of washington and kirk schultz who is the president of washington state that is the obviously the smallest of the three schools at the table to decide but and i i again i <laughs> i know that they'll try to look at this objectively but i feel very good knowing that kirk schultz is at the table there because he's the man who hired pat chun who's done an incredible job at washington state and he has experience on the ncaa board of governors you just feel really good knowing that you have an actual honest-to-God seat at the table here, if you're Washington State. And being able to look in and try to hire someone that will be as advantageous as possible for you. You know, you're not just, like, proxy texting and emailing whoever might be on that committee. So, for me, that's a really big part of this is that Schultz is going to be there. He's going to be conducting interviews. He's going to be making phone calls. He's going to be doing all of that. That's a really, really big deal here. Let's talk more about this, oh, joyous of days, oh, most wonderful of occasions. I, I feel like just stripping nude and running down the street, but I have a daughter now, so I will comport myself with more class. For now, once we actually get back into Pullman, that may not be the case. But uh, Brian Floyd, our managing editor, he of SB Nation, he of the Shutdown Full Cast, will join us next. We're going to talk about, I mean, just like how big this is for 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 the Pac-12 Conference. This is this is incredible. This, it, I, yeah, okay, he's next. Back here on the Kook Center Hour, we are now joined honorably uh, here. Have you been having wine tonight or bourbon or beer to celebrate Brian Floyd of the Shutdown Fullcast, Banner Society, SB Nation, Kook Center? you got so many other jobs, I can't even list them all off. But what have you been partaking in to celebrate such a momentous occasion as, as uh, Larry Scott uh, finally departing 
so dearly. A a six dollar bottle of Chateau Saint Michel Riesling. That is like right on the nose. Costco. I think too. It's the That's money. That is the Larry Scott of wines, mm-hmm. which is you know it's. It's okay at first, but if you had too much of it, you wouldn't want to have any more of it. I think that's a really good analogy uh, here. It Although, tastes sweet, it comes at a discount, and it might leave you real hungover. If you well, yeah, but then it's not a discount if we're talking about Larry Scott. Um, we were because we were because you know we were talking just before we started here um, about Scott Hansen, the previous the Pac-10 commissioner, or uh, not Scott Hansen, Tom Hansen, excuse Tom me, Hansen, and. Yeah. Um, and how, you know, Larry Scott, and I, you know, I, I spent 15 minutes in the intro just disparaging the guy, but that he did do some good for this conference at the outset of his tenure. The problem is, as you noted, um, when you raise the floor up to a 10 foot ceiling by a foot, you're still nine feet away from the damn ceiling. Yeah, it's. I think that we we went from Hansen, who who kind of stalled out and the conference struggled, to Larry Scott. There was a lot of excitement in the beginning, and then you start to look back at what happened since then, and it was honestly just a lot of broken promises, and that ends up dooming you eventually. But it was promises of riches, promises of media rights, promises of the Pac-12 being a power, and it wasn't the Pac-12 at the time. Sorry, the Pac-10 being a power. And really, you can start to see things even go south back to when he toured Texas and was taking the private jet around and trying to make Pac-16 and missed. And there was a, you know, even though the conference expanded and signed a new contract and all that, there was kind of a feeling that, like, it didn't live up to the promised potential. And Mm -hmm. that's still true today, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Utah and Colorado were fine additions, and I and I don't, I'm not mm-hmm. I don't think Wazoo's in a position to ever disparage anybody being added to the conference. No, no, no. We love our you, new conference. No, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, Utah and Colorado, great. Yeah, sorry, not not implying you you meant otherwise, but <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, but I when just, you're promised like Texas, Oklahoma. Yeah, like, you kind of it's it's a, it's a bit different to be like, oh, okay. Cool. It's definitely like the the fifth place finisher at the Miss America pageant. It's like, oh well, <laughs> I mean, she's still really good looking and very and very intelligent, but she's not she's not the winner um that's a horrible analogy it's that is a really misogynist (laughs) analogy um but i'm going to leave it in there unfortunately um i i think brian too the the other thing i was thinking about tonight was was the tv deal at first Mm -hmm. again it was kind of that you know it's you're the first person through the breach so from that standpoint you know larry scott was the first commissioner to negotiate a new deal and so are you you know what is a good price what isn't a good price and at the time three billion dollars over 12 years had an incredible ring to it it had a really incredible ring to I it, mean, it still does. yeah I, I, yeah, I, years yeah that is a lot of money <laughs> uh comparatively however um it yeah. is not anymore and that is no. part of where the pac-12 gets less left behind the sec the big 10 and even the big 12 and acc to an extent um, is that, my God, the schools are twenty to thirty million dollars a year per institution behind those mm-hmm. bigger conferences. Yep. And at the time, what the Pac-12 had done, <clears throat> and what Larry Scott had done, was um, make a bet and kind of make a promise. And it was that their rights and holding back the third-tier rights, especially, would 
pay off from the end. They could do something with them. Something could be anything. It could be, you know, selling to DirecTV. It could be digital streaming. It could be whatever else. And that just never materialized. And so they still had a good, you know, first deal, first second tier deal with ESPN and Fox. But that third tier deal with the Pac-12 networks and not being able to get carriage and not being able to kind of use those rights to their advantage really caused some shortfalls. And this problem has been around forever. It's mm-hmm. been around the whole time. And when the, when Larry Scott came in, he promised and told people there were certain projections for their rights deal and their network, and they never came close to coming true. And so it caused real problems in the conference, especially for honestly, like WSU and us. Um, but many of the, the schools that rely on that money right off the bat found that what they were told didn't match up to what they were getting. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in a good example this week when UW can't keep Pete Kwiatkowski around because Texas's assistant salary pool is so much higher for UW's former head coach now at the mm-hmm. University of Texas. Um, I want to touch on something you mentioned there, which was the Pac-12 network. I think you know, I, I think the effort behind the scenes from everybody there, I, I don't ever want to discredit the effort everybody puts in there, especially – you know, well, the yeah. production folks, uh, Mike Yam, who was so great on that network, um, Ashley Adamson, Yogi Roth. I mean, everybody who's mm-hmm. there does such a good job. But again, another mistake in the past of holding on and trying to build the network on your own, which I mean, that sounds like a good idea because you, you get all the money from it. You don't have to share it with Fox like the Big Ten does or ESPN like the SEC does. But you also don't get the carriage boost and the technology boost and everything else you get from giving uh-huh. a network with that built-in infrastructure a slice of the pie. And how, I mean, obviously hindsight is what it is here, but how big of a mistake at the time we all kind of looked around at each other and went, this is really stupid, right? It was, it was a bet, honestly. And like yeah. he made that bet and it depends on how risky you want to be. But at the time he made that bet, it was a, fairly friendly media environment which it's not um as much now and so the bet he made was that the pac-12 could become a conference and media company at the same time mm-hmm. and that's been their struggle this that's still their struggle that's what's led to this kind of break up the way it is but he thought we could be an independent media company and a conference and make this work and a bunch of things changed and a bunch of bad decisions were made, but it's hard to make a media company too. And, you know, I think that trying to strike out on your own and be an independent media company at the time they did in the way they did um, was difficult. And if you were able to hitch on to an ESPN like SEC Network has or ACC has, and to your point, use that infrastructure and use that kind of the already built in carriage and all that, um, you could get more eyeballs right away. Even if you took the money hit, the audience um, would probably grow. But being so independent and being unable to secure really good carriage, I remember living in D.C. and I could not get the Pac-12 network. And yeah. I literally asked a Comcast lobbyist, why can I not get this network? And he said, if we carry it out here, we're going to have to carry it everywhere else on the East Coast and somewhere or another, and no one wants to watch this. We would lose money. And it's like, I can't really argue with you. Like, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. nobody wants to lose money on something. No, that make, that I, that unfortunately makes a good deal of sense. That's really depressing. Um, I There's another thing, I think, kind of going back 
with the TV network that I, I want to mm-hmm. touch on here because, and, and it ties into where the conference is located, where the conference headquarters is located. That yes. Is. Yes. And, you know, I, I think one of the shocking things to me, <clears throat> excuse me, was to find out that the Big Ten basically pays absolutely nothing for their rent on their facility, which is in the middle of a freeway interchange in Chicago. And the SEC pays a dollar a year for their headquarters, something like that. They get a sweetheart deal in Birmingham. Birmingham, Alabama. Yep. Uh, well, I mean, you got to be in Birmingham, Alabama to pay that, but whatever. Um, why in God's name do you take that network and base it in San Francisco? Not just in San Francisco. Yeah, not, yeah, again, yeah, not just keep, somewhere, keep somewhere in the city of San Francisco. But blocks from Oracle Park in the most expensive real estate in the most expensive city to own uh-huh. real estate in in the country. Why do yeah. you locate your television studio there and then try to pay people next to nothing to work for your television network? I just want to again, one more time, note that the yes. Big Ten is located in a strip mall with a photo of Chow. Just. Ooh. Just... Ooh. Right there. Right. Well, if you can go get a nice Brazilian meal, and you can go protest the Big Ten if you'd like. Ooh. In the same place. But that's why rent's so cheap, right? You're in yeah. Indianapolis. Like, cool, great. I do not, and it was, it's one of the most fatal mistakes that um, they made and that he could make, was to put that headquarters and that kind of media company where it was. Mm-hmm. The worst thing you can do is burn that money on real estate and make it so expensive. You could host the Pac-12 from anywhere. Even LA would be cheaper. Yeah. You could put it in Vegas if you want. You could put like there's there's cheaper real estate, cheaper ways to build an office than in the most expensive possible place that you could find. I want to make sure too. <laughs> yeah, so everybody knows 7 million dollars a year. 7 million dollars oh. a year in rent. They've def- Deferred nearly twelve million dollars as of last summer, so it could. And the that, cost of living there is absolutely crazy. No, it's insane. And yeah, just and it's it's one of those things where it does not need to be that way. But the thinking, the time, and I remember this was, well, we have to be in San Francisco so that we can attract tech and investors. It was a whole big deal at the time. We got to be close to the action. We got to be close to the big tech. We got to be close to the investors. This is why we're going to have our championship in Santa Ana at the new park, all that stuff. And like the conference became a victim to thinking it could be the big tech conference. And Mm -hmm. it never needed to be that. Like just be a football conference, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or be a conference, like not even a football conference. The Pac 12, like put that aside. Like the Pac 12 is a good athletic conference in general top to bottom and like you lose that and you lose your roots when you're just like we're going to be you know big tech hanging out in san francisco trying to be international trying to be everywhere else and you know you kind of dump a bunch of money down the drain to do that and then you look up four or five six years later and go what are we now right yeah and how, well, and how much money have we spent just to have the real estate near all of these people that we could have, that honestly you could have sent to these schools. 
Um, you got planes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There's yeah. Commercial aircraft exist for a reason. It's not difficult mm-hmm. to get places. Uh, in it wasn't hard in 2012, and it's not hard, um, in 2021. Um, I I do want to give him at least a little bit of credit. I I think for one thing is at least at first it seems like the conference was navigating covid correctly in terms of you know whether you agree with it or not i said this at the time they got everybody mm-hmm. on message this was not like the big 10 where they had mm-hmm. such a massive problem when they postponed the season and then when they decided to play the season was at least at first it seemed like the conference had you know everyone's on the same page here and nobody's going to yep. deviate from this we're not going to say anything publicly we're all going to do it the same way. And then when it comes to reinstating things, here's all the data. Here's what we're using. Here's everything we are thinking about when it comes to doing this. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed like they were handling that well, at least, including the loan program to use their borrowing power to get money for schools. I just... how It, it all went wrong again didn't it with with the testing issues and with and then again if you're going to play the season now you're getting false positives for a lot of these kids and it just it was a bet it turned into again again, another bet that it it didn't pay off again for him so i think it's really important to remember how this started and like they were on message when they canceled the season but the thing that he and the conference screwed up initially was his players got angry enough with communication that they spoke out and it wasn't, it wasn't a thing where it just randomly happened, but like the PAC 12 players, especially felt that they did not understand what was going on, whether it was from their coaches or from the conference or from all the above, whatever else. And they were the ones that spoke out and threatened to unionize and brought up player pay and they brought up everything else and all that. And the response from um, the conference and Larry Scott was very dismissive and it was very much like, you know, whatever, go away. You know, we don't want to deal with this, both with the safety issues and everything else. And so that part of it was kind of a, it was another reminder of like how poorly run this was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ultimately ended up canceling the season or postponing the season a little bit later. But I think that part of it's important to remember. Um, they, they really screwed this up in the beginning. They got on message about canceling the season and or postponing the season eventually. And everyone did fall in line. And the same came true with the bringing it back. But it was a bet. It was a bet that, you know, we can outrun this virus. We can outtest this virus. We can have a season. And what really happened was they gave themselves no leeway. They gave themselves no room for error and almost right off the bat, it kind of failed. Right. Yeah. Like they could not get a full season. It, like it, it, after the first week, two weeks, it became clear that they would not get a real season in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, and so it was a mess. Like from, even though things were like, and this is very packed 12 to bring it all the way around. The messaging was good. The substance was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like that you can hire all the consultants you want and you can talk a good game. But in the end, what they did was bad. Yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. In the end, what they did was bad. I think that's the legacy that Larry Scott leaves. For his, it just it still fascinates me to this day for as much goodwill as the guy built up at first. How different things are 
now that when I walked around campus, it was the, that opener in uh, 2019 against New Mexico State with my Fire Larry Scott t-shirt on. I got so <laughs> many like points and claps and all that other stuff that we got all the he way was a to hero there. when he started yeah remember? exactly no yeah exactly that's that's yeah. what i mean like it, it like i couldn't have been more thrilled the first mm-hmm. couple of years like with all the money and i'm you know yeah the conference expansion got bungled a little bit but we still got utah and colorado so that's great and we're all rolling in dough and now we're here now we're in this so, place so you know when you take over like a bad <clears throat> like in, in college, it's like taking over a program that's been like torched, basically. But like, even in a regular job, like you, you come into a new job, you get hired, and you're like, oh, man, this is a mess, right? Yeah. And you're like, I got some easy wins right here. And you can just start like picking some off. And then eventually, you actually have to like deal with, you know, running the whole thing and all that. But what Larry Scott did was like, he had some easy wins. And the TV contract was one. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually had to run a an organization that was kind of at its full power, he couldn't do it. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of where they've been stuck is like they, they built up this thing or started to um, in terms of a media company and like, you know, a, a full scale like modern conference. And they weren't really equipped to make it work and make it like run smoothly and in a way that could actually like at least break even. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's all you need to do at this point. Cause you're a conference, but like, it's hard to run a media company and break even make a profit. And that's where you ran a foul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I tried to think of something tonight and I, I, w- I want to leave it with this because it seems appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the worst of the worst thing that he did or said or or like when it's just for you? What is the dumbest crap that ever happened? For me, it's still the, the Aria hospitality suite. That's the dumbest. I like and I don't I have no idea. You know, like I have no idea why that is just sticking in my it's just an absolute earworm for me that like twelve thousand dollars a night on the nicest suite at the nicest hotel in las vegas and we had to do it to host a whole bunch of people who didn't spend a dang penny on this conference but don't worry sixty thousand bucks out the door so larry can have duck down sheets for five nights in vegas what 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 for you is what is your Aria penthouse suite, Brian Floyd? So, in the same like kind of vein, vein of optics, and that is you, you kind of summed it up better than I ever could, and you have a better way with words than I do. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is the WSU and USC game, and it's the yeah. aftermath of that game and how that was handled, and it was handled so poorly where it was a thing that. Like, you could have just said, man, we screwed up and missed a call. And instead, it became the cover-up being worse than the crime. And then every single time, he would come out and kind of, like, try to explain it away and, and talk it away. And then we we would immediately watch it get refuted. I literally sat there in a press box, and John Canzano was questioning him about something, and he was denying it. 
And John's like, no, no, I have the paperwork and immediately released it. And I'm just like, why are we doing it like this? Like, why? Like, you could have just said we fucked up that game. And instead, it became a conspiracy theory that was actually real. Mm -hmm. Like a dude from your football operation. Like, it's unbelievable to me that someone from outside, like in a football operations guy, reached in and essentially changed the outcome of a game. And the cover-up to that was even, like, dumber and more, like, blundered. And it just kind of passed by. And, man, if Wazoo won that game, think about that season again. Like, that was actually a big deal. They don't need to win the Apple Cup. They don't need to win an Apple Cup to go to the conference championship. No. But just, it was was a whole mess, and it was so blundered and so very Pac-12 that, like, that to me was the beginning of the end of all this where it was like, you screwed this up so bad. You could have just like not had that happen. One, don't have the guy call in, but two, like just say we screwed up a call and you're done. And instead it became a like how many month story. Oh, I, it was ridiculous. I, I think the game was obviously in September and I think this all came out in late winter, early spring, something like that. Or no, yeah. no, no, no. It was, it was less than that, but yeah, you still, it but was, it was, yeah, insane. over, yeah. over the course of weeks, like it was a story that should have been a day and it ended up being weeks. Right. Yeah. On, like, Mo- on Monday, yeah. Monday, you should have said, look, we screwed up. Here was the issue. Won't happen again. We put procedures in place to make sure it doesn't happen. And it's, it's over. Yeah. yeah at that point, mama, we made it. We made it to the other side <laughs> of the hill. Brian Floyd, uh, June 30th, he's gone, um, and we'll have another bottle of Chateau Saint-Michel Riesling from Costco uh, <laughs> when it happens. Thank you for your time tonight, sir. I so truly appreciate it. Hey, thank you. appreciate it. Thanks again to Brian Floyd for uh, his time. We so very much appreciate that because he, he just carves it out for us and took out a lot of his time uh, this evening to talk to us because he, like, I don't know why I say us, he, like me, has a small child that needs to get to bed and cared for and a wife and all that good jazz. He has a life um, outside of helping me out, so we really appreciate uh, that to kind of give some perspective on uh, what a big day this is for the Pac-12. And we're not going to do Dunderhead of the Week or Ask Michael Anything this week. And, and again, I, I want to try to do some shows more regularly. I know it's been very irregular, and I apologize for that because I know as much as you guys enjoy listening to this show, I so enjoy doing it for you um, as well. And I really and truly mean that. Um, but this is a really big deal, and I I can't emphasize enough what an important step forward for the Pac-12 here is and it's going to be interesting to see the direction they go and like I talked about earlier is 
you know, this isn't like a coaching search where I kind of have like a fair idea of who should be looked at here. I don't really know what a good candidate is, what a bad candidate is, and I'm I'm just going to be open to kind of whomever is gotten out of this. So it's going to be interesting to see which direction that Pac-12 committee of the UW, Oregon, and Wazoo presidents go on this one. This is something we've all been waiting for for a very long time. And it was incredibly important that it happen. And I think that I, I feel such a sense of relief with this. Because we knew we knew this was the decision that needed to get made. That Larry Scott needed to go. And I am glad that the Pac-12 CEOs felt the same way about that. I'm happy that they also knew that somebody else needed to be in charge of this conference. That somebody else needed to be making the financial decisions, the personnel decisions, the decisions on the direction of conference leadership. That somebody else had to be at the wheel. And somebody else will be in I, I don't know if the hire will be done in July, but hopefully it will be. And somebody else will be in July. This is a really big deal for the future of this conference. That you're going to have a fresh set of eyes on this conference's problems. And that you're going to have a fresh set of eyes on its direction into the future. And that somebody else can be here to decide where things go from here. Because I think it's very clear at this point that Larry Scott was not the person to make those decisions. He would not have made them effectively. He would not have made them intelligently. He would not have made them by thinking of anybody but himself. This is a very big decision for the next decade to decade and a half of all 12 schools in this conference. Where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? And who they hire will say a lot about that. And again, we're not going to know until it happens. But it is very important. We say this all the time with coaching and AD hires that you don't screw it up. But I'm not sure that I've ever meant it more than I do right now. You cannot screw this up. This has to, has to be right. Got to get this one. Got to hit the nail on the head with it. We will talk to you soon again on the Kook Center Hour. I promise, guys, we will be back soon. More shows as we get through the winter. You got baseball coming up, volleyball coming up, soccer coming up as well. We're in the middle of two good basketball seasons. We will have more to talk about. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Our thanks again to Brian Floyd for joining us here on the Kook Center.